1: Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered
0: by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles.
1: Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought.
0: On Second Thought, episode 216, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, and I'm joined as usual by the Duck, Kirk Bowles, and Duck. This is a monumental day in our podcast. How many Hall of Famers have we ever had on this pod? We had Earl Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, Mac Brown. Is that it? We had some Hall of Fame broadcasters.
3: Yeah, yeah. Jim Nance, he was a Hall of Famer. Brent uh, Musburger. Brent Musburger. But oh, this wow. guy, oh, we've, this had guy had Barry, we've had all. Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer's this, Hall of Famer. This guy tops them all, though. This guy
0: tops them all. <laughs> He's retiring, and we're going to try to talk him out of it in these next twenty minutes. <laughs> Legendary swim coach Eddie Reese of the University of Texas joins us, and Coach, uh, man, I know, I know, I see you at the pool all the time, but it's really <laughs> a pleasure to see you on the podcast here today.
1: Well. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
3: I'm looking forward to, to this. Okay, we're going to agree. You. We're going to agree. You. So, first of all, what in the hell is a head coach emeritus? Well, that sounds like some distinguished, you know, brilliant title there. What What is that? It means he still gets paid. Oh. Well, it just means that
1: <laughs> I've acquired another language. It's Latin. It is Latin. And then that goes along with my – Starbucks order of a grande that's Italian I never knew I'd pick up
3: languages this late in life multinational it's it's so impressive and then my next question is why in the hell would somebody retire at the young age of 79 I I just don't get it can you explain that to us Eddie
1: well one I've never known that I was this old (laughs) Everybody asks me where I grow up or where I grew up. I said, I haven't yet. And I always tell my swimmers, I'm, I'll figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So the swimmers have kept me pretty young back to the coach emeritus. Mm -hmm. All that means is I get to coach some, I don't have to go to meetings And I don't get paid. It's Mm -hmm. really
3: a good trade-off. No meetings. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a sports columnist. (laughs) (laughs) We get paid a little.
0: We get paid. No Zoom
1: calls.
3: (laughs) The life of leisure. So you just be hunting and fishing all day long. Is that right? Well, I want to coach. Coaching for me has never been a
1: job. It's been a lifestyle. And I'm not interested in stopping. It's just where I am, I've always said I'd know when to retire. And it would be before anyone wanted me to go. And I decided a week or two before this NCAAs it was great that we won it, but I was
3: going, going out win, lose or draw. So, how long had you been considering it? I know you called uh, Chris Del Conte, the AD, Saturday while you were still uh, in the meet and told him the news. When had this been a decision that had been brewing all season, or when? Can you take us through the process? Um.
1: Luckily, I don't remember the process, but it, it wasn't brewing. You know, first semester, we're still in the battle with uh, COVID and uh, the, all the things that the social injustice and all that kind of stuff took precedence. Over anything I was even thinking about. I didn't really think about it until probably three or four weeks before. I've been asked about it for 15 years. I've had people use it against me in recruiting for 15 years. So, how'd how'd that work out for them? (laughs) <laughs> try it. what's plan B luckily not too well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. Well, you look at it. Uh, 15 national titles, 12 runner up finishes, uh, eight time national coach of the year, three time Olympic head coach. Um, the bucket, the bucket list has to be filled up. Is there anything remaining that you want to do, uh, either professionally or personally, Uh, On your bucket list?
3: Good question.
0: I guess
1: my main premise has never been to be an Olympic coach or to win NCAA titles. The only thing I really enjoy is getting people to be better. Excuse me. You know, I think in the media, it's called coaching them up, right? And honestly, and sadly, doesn't happen in many sports. But that's my only goal: is to get somebody to go a lot faster, and it usually means practices. Tougher than they've ever seen.
3: You do that. And the other thing you do is you change everything up. I know you told me several years ago, you change like 10 to 20 percent every year your practice techniques, when you taper, whatever. You told me I remember I don't know, after one of your tiles years ago, you went to mesh socks and the players just despised them because created more drag, and I forget how you came up with that. But you, you never became stale. Why and how do you change stuff up so consistently and still have the same results? I have a couple people in the world that – two
1: guys from Australia that I talk to more than anybody else. But I really believe I can learn – from anyone, and my whole goal is to – I need to get better every year. Like this year, we had two of my hardest workers were real good at the NCAAs, but they weren't near as good as I thought they could be. So I want to fix that. That's not their fault. That's my fault. If you, if you have a bad year or someone doesn't turn out the way you want them to, the first place you must look as at yourself. And that's the only way you get better is to somehow
3: realize that there's room to get better. That's that's called accountability. I don't know where the hell you learned that, but 2021 that you got to blame somebody in the media or the the players' work ethic, the millennials. Haven't you ever learned the blame game? Well, I think in our dictionary,
1: accountability was taken out about ten or fifteen years ago. So Amen. most people don't know what it is. I definitely agree <laughs> with that.
0: Wow. Well, man, uh, I, I I am I'm I'm really interested to hear you tell me about when when you met Daryl Royal and 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 was hired by him in '79. Uh, his last great hire as the athletic director. Boy, did he hit a home run on that one.
3: hire.
0: Yeah. What do you remember about that?
1: Uh, everything. Daryl Royal. What he did for Texas and the way he did it has given, given Texas their tradition and their high standing in athletics, even though there are times we don't deserve it. And Daryl was special as a person, picked me up at the airport, uh, at that time, I was still my – just becoming my super humorous self. <laughs> and I said, this must be real important for you guys. And he said, well, why do you say that? And he, I said – it was a Sunday afternoon. I said, you'd a lot rather be playing golf. <laughs> he took me to the tower – and the tower had a guard on it, and nobody went up. Well, make a long story short, we went up, and um, the guy at the bottom, after Daryl talked to him for a while, was uh, more than happy that we went up. Daryl didn't use his power, he just was a great guy. Then he took me to Cisco's. Nice. Migos, hot sauce.
3: Nice. Very nice. It
1: was all over. I I was sitting in the pool and called my wife and I said, I could come out here and work for a dollar. And (laughs) she said, no,
3: you can't. (laughs) (laughs) So... What did you get? What did you get? What was the salary? That's a great question. I think I got
1: $25,000 and $10,000 for camp. Wow. Actually, first time the job was offered to me, I was offered the same thing I was getting at Auburn. Mm-hmm. And I'd moved from Florida to Auburn for the same thing, and had decided I wasn't going to do that again. So they came back three days later and uh, threw in the camp. So I was able to take the job. It's been great for me and my family and my old. Immediate family lives here now. Both daughters, all the grandkids, son-in-laws. It's a great place.
3: How many grandkids you got? Four. Four. Nice. So you came here for a ten thousand dollar raise. Yeah. Boy, you are a shrewd negotiator, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm I tell- am totally you.
1: worthless.
3: You you just beat him down. <laughs> I can
1: remember taking DeLoss out to lunch because uh, the women's department had just hired Mark Schubert at more money than I was making. And I told DeLoss, I said, whatever you do, do not give me a raise just because he's coming in at more money. That doesn't bother me. And DeLoss, in his gently spoken way, he said, it bothers me. Nice. But I've only asked – I've never asked for a raise. I've just asked not to have
3: one. What a shrewd man you are. I am. I really am. Do you have a college degree? You know, Um, what class did you not take? <laughs> well, back when I went to college,
1: I went to all my classes, never slept in class. So I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I'm bound to have gotten something.
3: You're like me. You're like one of those nerds. I never cut classes either. So, uh, uh... wasn't the thing to do back then. So, so
1: why? Right, I know everybody yeah. on my team, on my swimming team.
3: University of Florida. Went to class. It's a good thing to do. It's called getting an education, right? Yeah. So why the hell did you want to be a swimming coach anyway? Did you grow up thinking, man, I bet I'll really want to be a swimming coach someday?
1: Till I was 12, I was literally baseball every day of the week and twice on Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> um, I just love that it was mostly schoolyard
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know when you're 12 there are a lot of times you're batting against 14 or 15 year olds and um, I had a lot of success hitting the ball catching the ball Um fifth grade, I threw a softball 60 yards in a contest. So I had a good arm and I came in one day from playing baseball and my cousin who was a swim coach was there. He was talking to my dad and I walked in, they both looked at me and say, how'd you like to be a swimmer? And I said, I didn't know any better. I said, sure. (laughs) And so for the next week, he took me to practice. And I think I cried every day (laughs) underwater. It was so hard because at that age, we weren't used to doing something, getting tired, and then continuing it Usually. That age, you get tired. You walk, or you stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't allow that. So went to University of Florida, and the whole time I was there, I was I started in engineering and had no affinity for that at all. I mean, even now I can change light bulbs and. put gas in the car and I'm limited out after that. But they kept telling me, you're trying to coach this team. Um, And I did, I knew back then we weren't doing enough. I always wanted us to do more Mm. and they were always against me. Mm. And um, I got a chance to be a, grad assistant with Florida and, well, my first job was teaching physical education in the elementary school in Roswell, New Mexico. Great people out there, we loved it. I got a letter from my swim coach said, there's a job open on our staff, apply for the job. And I wrote back, I said, I've already talked to those guys. They're trying to hire, it was for a physical education position because no assistant made money. They just, you teach 12 hours a week instead of 16 hours a week. Told them I'd already talked to those guys, and I knew what they wanted and didn't interest me. He wrote me back. He said, "Apply." He had already done the political part, so I got that job and learned a lot. Most of what I know, I learned from watching swimmers and listening to swimmers.
0: Hmm. You know, um, listening is is a is an underrated skill and. <clears throat> Uh, communication is so key in coaching. I'm I'm interested to know because from stories I've talked to Kirk and I, I heard you uh, talk to you at the Texas Hall of Fame banquet a few years ago and you had that table rolling, laughing. Your sense of humor has been an integral part of your makeup and what you've done over the years. How important is that to put these kids at ease? Swimming is not an easy sport and it's already taxing enough mentally how important is it to keep them loose and uh, also walk that fine line between being loose and being focused for the task at hand?
1: Well, swimming, as you say, is very demanding physically. And I don't like to say this, but it can be real boring. I know when I get bored, they were bored long before I was. <laughs> and swimmers as a group, have got a good sense of humor. And being having the freedom to speak, like I tell them, I equal one, they equal one. If you want to tell me something, just do it nicely. Doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong, just do it nicely. Um, we have a culture on our team. Not sure I like that word used to be team chemistry Mm -hmm. 15 years ago. Now it's culture. In 10 years, it's going to be very simply, how much do you really care about your teammates? And it's that simple. And a big part of our culture is what they say to each other during practice. If you're swimming really well, they – do a great job. Everybody always touch fists at the end of a hard set because they've been racing and competing. And my quest there is to get them only to say positive things to each other. Because somebody at that age, if you tell them, oh, you got to work harder or uh, try harder or fix that stroke, or your turns aren't good. That's the part I need to do. And they just stick to the positive stuff. And we have a culture, people come to the East Coast and the West Coast of our country, people from other countries, and they worked their way to our team. And they've seen Olympic coaches along the way And they ask, what is the difference in your culture and other teams? And I told them, first, I don't know what other teams are like. But here's what we work on. We work on them being positive. So in other words, that makes them accept what the other person's doing and affirm them. Those are simple things. All our lives, we've heard about, and we've quit hearing about it, but we've heard about in the past, self-image. It's the name of the game. Because I I get guys that come out of programs, they're not very good for four or five reasons. Not very good is incorrect. They're not as good as some other guys on the team, And it's important to know that your teammates like you anyway and expect you to move up. It's like everybody wants me to talk about motivation. You can't motivate anybody every day. You can't motivate anybody Saturday to Saturday. I remember Fred Akers talking about it. He said, sometimes you've just got to win when you're not good. You can't get up for every game or every practice. Body's not meant to do that. And so you've got to get good enough uh, that you can win ugly or do well ugly.
3: Yeah, I know Fred was into that visualization, visualize yourself winning. And that was a huge thing with him. I personally thought it was your corny sense of humor and your, and your bad jokes were the key to keeping the team light. Uh, where do you get your jokes? I mean, do you get them from Bob Hope, Henny Youngman? How far back do you go? And Oh my God. Henny Youngman? Really, and, Duck? Hey, Eddie, he's been around. He's older than me, which there aren't many of us left. So Can you explain explain your sense of humor?
0: You could could have at least brought up Rodney Dangerfield. Don't (laughs) bring up any young man.
3: I,
1: I don't know if this is sad or good, but kind of runs in the family. And I'm a spur of the moment humor guy. I've got one joke that I know. And if I tell it, my wife's in the group. Um, I struggled for the next day getting over that, but I, they just come to me. My brother's this way. My grandkids are this way. Uh, Even my wife's getting this way, but I do love those guys. Those, uh, Rodney Dangerfield
0: He's the (laughs) best, the greatest ever. And,
1: And those guys are so quick. Yeah. Um, Take my life,
3: please.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you ever pay oh. much attention to the humor on the internet, I'm so amazed at the. I mean this in the best sense, the common man's sense of humor. You know, they just put it out there, and who? Nobody thinks like that. <laughs> but if you watch your your real good comedians. From what I've seen, those guys are the best actors, and yes. they're very bright. Definitely, yes. they are well read. They know present day what's happening. Um, they are really quick. Jimmy Kimmel,
3: um, all those guys. I love
1: those guys.
3: Seinfeld. Seinfeld's great. He just takes everyday life. He's, do you have, do you ever watch the Comedy Central roasts?
1: Oh, yeah. I, not recently, but I've seen those guys. That's how they live and make their living. They're really fast.
0: And you really, and you said something like uh, they're the be- they're, they end up being the best actors. I mean, uh, Eddie Murphy is a really good actor. Without a doubt. Robin Williams, God yeah. rest his soul, was tremendous, was a tremendous actor. Because the uh, Richard Pryor, uh, yeah. "Lady Sings the Blues" in nineteen seventy, yeah. yeah. played, played a straight role as a piano player and was brilliant. So it, it, it's it's amazing that they that they're able to make us laugh and then turn around and 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 be a serious actor. So uh, I th- I think I think you're a great comedian who's masquerading as a head coach.
1: And now if. <laughs> told my swimmers in the last week or two I was going to do some stand up comedy. <laughs> so I bet that got a laugh. <laughs> well, one of them said, Well, you do that every day here. So
0: <laughs> you're 79. Why don't you do some sit down comedy? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely more comfortable. Oh my God. Hey, tell you don't know, hold on, Doug, tell us a joke. I mean, you're talking about all I don't reach reach I mean, into you know the bag.
1: That. I mean, you know, one of my favorite is Kirk, you look good today. Thank you. Now that's a joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh I need you. a better obvious. Oh! <laughs> oh! Wow! I was ready for that punchline. I was not. I was not. <laughs> oh my God! That's... I want
3: to know. I want to know why you weren't a football coach. You know, you're obviously oh. the greatest coach in school history. If you'd have been a football coach, or and not Casey Stingle as you'd planned, you know, all the Texas problems would be fixed. Why didn't you coach <laughs> football? Uh, I have many comments about
1: that. <laughs> football they kind of get in a rut of doing what they did last year because they did it for the previous 20 years right and the way I look at swimming and I look at coaches I pay attention to programs all over the country and if you're getting your top 25% to swim well and not your bottom. And by bottom, I don't mean bad, but the bottom of your team, if they're not swimming well, then you're just living off the talent of your top 25%. Hmm. And I think football started, um, let's say, one of the guys – the fastest, best athlete was good at cleans. Now, did he make the cleans look good or did the clean make him look good? And that's something you have to decide. And so many times we look at what our best guys do, try to make everybody do that. And, um, I individualized my program with only 35 guys, so I individualized my program more than anybody else in the country by three or four times as much because everybody's different. We all need different things. That doesn't mean I have 35 different workouts going, but I work in that direction And it's some days I come in and used to look at Chris Kubik or my assistant now, Wyatt, and I just say, I have nothing going on. You've got to do it. And they take it and do it better than
3: I would have done it anyway. Did any of the football coaches ask for your advice during your 43 years here coaching?
1: I talked to – Mac Brown's group for an hour one time. But the questions I got individually later, they were just looking for things that affirmed what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be open to there's something better out there. Like whatever Nick Saban is doing at Alabama, you can say he's getting the best players. But if you look at his roster, the senior year, you got guys in there that were three-star players that got bigger, stronger, faster. And my saying about all sports is speed wins. Mm -hmm. If you're fast... Mm -hmm. I mean, Baylor basketball, good night. (laughs) You know, even even Houston, I was so impressed with those guys as they came up and they came up against Baylor, who was as fast or faster. And Baylor can shoot from three-point land like I used to shoot from
3: three-foot land. (laughs) Yeah, they got options. I'm telling you, they do. Hey, do you have do you have a favorite swimmer or favorite team of all time? The next one.
1: No, I don't. <laughs> always a coach. Hey, what was well, your? I'm always. <laughs> I look at these guys. I mean, if you really think about it, with the group we've got come in, in as freshmen, I'd be crazy to retire. Oh, wait, the guys we've got committed for the next year, Mm -hmm. I can't retire then either (laughs) because I want to work with those guys. They are so talented. I mean, my team averages 6'4", 6'5", and both these classes are like that. Mm. It's unbelievable. We're getting the good athletes in the sport and – If I were not coaching, I would not believe the times. They are so fast.
3: So you're going to put in the same amount of coaching. You're just not going to get paid. Is that what you're telling us?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm kind of hoping it's not the same amount of time. But I have a conscience that has kept me out of trouble my whole life. I've never been able to get it to take a nap. Or go on vacation. <laughs> so if I miss practice for something I want to do, I feel guilty, and so I don't do that.
3: That's why you got 15 national championships, man. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, man. You are the best, and uh, we can't wait to go to your comedy show.
1: All right. Well, Invite I'm us. gonna come to your office first, and we'll work <laughs> on it there. But I am scared to go sit on the aisle at Esther's Follies. (laughs) Me too. I don't want them to stand me up because those (laughs) fools (laughs) are really quick.
0: They're the best. They are the absolute best. Well, Coach, it's been a real pleasure, man. And uh, uh, we need to go fishing. I'm a fisherman, so we need to go fishing. I I haven't fished in 30 years, but I still remember how. I'm not baiting your hook. Look,
1: Cedric, there's going to be a twenty question test for you at the end of this podcast, and um, if you don't do a good job on it, you will have to go into the office. Oh no! (laughs) Anything but that. Anything
0: (laughs) but that. Coach, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, guys. I appreciate
3: the best. it. You're the best. On Second Thought.
0: True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara. And Illinois's own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Duck, we could have talked all day to Coach Reese. I mean, just just a, I mean, he's 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 so the humor is so dry and funny and effortless for him. He does have a second career if he wants it.
3: (laughs) Well, he's he's just a special guy, and he's so grounded. I mean, you know, you won't find a more humble person in sports than Eddie Reese. And I loved how he mentioned accountability, which is in short supply these days. And he said, yeah, it's not even in the dictionary the last 10 or 15 years. And the other thing I liked is he said change. He changes every year, 10 to 15%. And he mentioned those Australian guys he talks to. And that's the guy that doesn't get stale. And that's why you win 15 national championships and finish second 12. So, yeah, he's – I'm waiting for the statue to go up.
0: It's definitely going up. That's 15 more national championships than the basketball team in Texas has won the men. So <laughs> – but Chris Beard is in here. Chris Beard – is here to win national championships just like the Baylor Bears did on Monday night over Gonzaga a little bit more on that later but uh we talked to Chris Beard at his at his introductory press conference and uh it, it was like he was trying to chew his arm off to get out of there so he could go get to work it was yeah. crazy
3: yeah he he like he said, he, I got six players I got to talk to already. <laughs> he was, he was like, okay, you expect him to keep looking at his watch. Are we done here? Are we done here? So, but you know, he did the obligatory press conference, thanked all the people he should thank, going back to Leon Black and Tom Penders and and Del Conte and Hartzell. Just you know, he didn't remember his fiance's birthday, which was that could cost you. That could when cost they met. You. Down the road. Yeah, he was a little, you know, and that's got to clean
0: clean that up. Got to clean that up.
3: You know, for a guy that's a great recruiter and, you know, you recruit your fiance, you better clean that up. So, but, yeah, he's impressive. And uh, it is so interesting, you know, as you know, I got Red Raiders in my family here, and they are not happy with Texas right now. And and I tried to point out to them. I said, "Well, you know, Texas Tech first stole him from UNLV, and he was at Vegas for all of nineteen days. They before. jacked him. They, they jacked did nineteen they, they days. Bad, they messed up the contract. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I know Texas Tech is pissed off, and I understand that. But every coach is stolen from somewhere, unless you're in your first job you took and never left."
0: It's, it's recruiting with money above the table instead of underneath it. That's what yeah, it is. That's true. what it is. It's you
3: think cut there's throw. money under the table
0: in basketball? Really? Who's to say, Doug? Who's to say, I did Sean Miller's
3: finally let go at Arizona.
0: So Yes, yes, he was. He was. Um, he said he had to talk. Beard said he had to talk to some players. Yes. Uh, so, we, we're we're pretty sure that Brock Cunningham's coming back and he Jace is, and Jace is coming yeah. back, February. But we don't. We still don't know about Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. I've I've kind of reached out to both and haven't heard back.
3: Um, well, they they've had conversations with yes. Them. The big the
0: big news with this to me is uh, a couple of really, really good recruit signees, Tamar Bates, and David Joplin, have requested to be mm-hmm. released from their letters of intent. Joplin, I believe, is from Wisconsin. And I wonder, Shaka Mm -hmm. recruited him, and I wonder, is he going to Marquette? I don't know. Is there a coach in Wisconsin?
3: Is there a coach in Wisconsin? There's a
0: coach in Wisconsin by the name of Shaka Smart. Yes. I I reached out to him
3: yesterday, by the way. You reached out to Shaka? Yeah. I said, I wish you luck, and you're one of the classiest coaches you ever had, and we'll be rooting for you. And he was very gracious. As he always is there's not a better person uh that's been at Texas besides Shaka Smart. Now he's he's a quality individual, and I'll be rooting for him. I hope he does well at Marquette. Yeah, I think and I
0: think he will. I think he will. But this is a real this is a real challenge for Beer to convince these two youngsters who who probably love Shaka Smart, well was not to love, so that this this is the right place to be. And they like they say, Doug, you sign with a school. You don't sign with a coach. They say that, but I yeah. mean, recruiting is about relationships. And these kid, these kids are probably obviously were torn when they found out that Shaka would no longer be the coach.
3: They signed with a coach. We all know that. You know, it's it's no big mystery. They do sign with the coach.
0: But you know uh, what, Doug? Before you say that, it's just brutal that that. That winter signing
1: period—that's
0: mm-hmm. the hole in it. I mean, if I had a kid, I'd be like, "Let's wait. Let's wait till after the season. Let's yeah, wait if, to see if it's good but,
3: but if you already had a job—I mean, a scholarship from Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina or Kansas—why would you wait? I mean, I'd want to do it sooner. You know? Yeah, and
0: but this leaves you wide open if a coach gets fired. That's the problem.
3: Yeah, but they don't get fired Leaves at Kansas. Bill Self's got a lifetime contract, even though the NCAA is is, uh, hot on his neck there, and they don't care. So, you know, safe self in leaving. You do have a Roy Williams uh, retire once in a while, but that may be one where you go to the school. You know, Hubert Davis got promoted to that job, but I think partly – they go because it is North Carolina. They go because it is Kentucky, and they know they're on TV every twenty minutes, and they will be uh, have the short path to the NBA. I think Texas is not so sure. And Beard has had some NBA players, but I think he is going to live in the transfer portal, which I now call the Texas portal. Nice. I, I really think Beard will live there. I do. And I was, it's funny said I was listening to the radio. On Sirius Radio the other day, and they had Bob Huggins on, and he said there are more than a thousand men's basketball players in the portal, a thousand. So I don't know how talent in that portal. There is, there is. I don't know how you vet all that, but it's going to be a lot about contacts and networking, and hey, what do you know about this guy? What do you know about that guy? What's but you got to do it on the fly, and you got to do it very fast. But I'll go on record as saying. Chris Beard is going to work that portal to death. And as does Scott Drew and they seem to be doing okay at Baylor these days.
0: Uh, yeah, they do. And Chris, uh, Chris Beard, um, I asked him about a very essential uh, coach, coach uh, Reese talked about culture. Right. Uh, listen to what, uh, coach Beard said when I asked him about culture. Uh, Hey, Chris, congratulations. Um, you guys came in, in here a couple of years ago and, and won a close game. And afterwards, I asked you, um, was this a culture win? And uh, you said, yes, it was. And uh, how long does it take
2: uh, to establish your culture uh, in a program? Yeah, culture is kind of the buzzword now, right? I, I didn't I, – well, I went to Texas, so I know how to spell culture. But, uh, uh, you know, what is culture? Culture is who you are. Uh, culture is who you are when no, one, when no one's looking. Culture is what you're all about in the good times and the bad times. Uh, culture has to be real to me to be defined as a culture. Um, ours is all based on the things I mentioned early. Unselfishness, toughness, discipline, talent. Uh, but above all, you have to have relationships uh, to have a culture. And that's why I'll be forever grateful for all the teams that we had, most recently at Texas Tech, um, Little Rock before because I do think that we have had no disrespect to anyone else. I think we've had the best culture in college basketball and I believe that. Um, somebody might have had one as strong but nobody's had a stronger culture than we have in recent years. How these things exist are relationships. Once you have relationships, you can take a group of people, places where maybe you couldn't go by yourselves and that's, uh, that's how we won at Texas Tech and that'll be a key uh, way that we win here. The one thing
0: he said that I really liked is culture is what they do, what you do when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. So when those bright lights are off, when, the, when it's not a game day, what are you doing to get better? And I just think that he's not going to allow them to suck. He just isn't. No. Because he's just a crazy, crazy competitor uh, who will not settle for mediocrity. Uh, Shaka Smart is a laid-back dude. Mm-hmm. Kinda of reminds me of Tony Dungy, yeah, very much. But Chris Beer is more in the Bill Parcells, Bob Knight, yeah, Rick Tom, Barnes, Tom Coughlin, yeah, uh, yeah, getting in your face and mm-hmm. demanding of more of you than you know you have to give. And uh, I just, I just, I just can't wait to see how that that switch in philosophy will play out here, because it's going to be a different look for guys who have been used to the laid-back soccer smart,
3: Yeah, but at least the roster's going to be so thin, as you pointed out, that, you know, there won't be as many that have to adapt to his system because, you know, so many are out the door, you know. And if I'm Andrew Jones or Courtney Ramey, I would consider coming back because I think you and I would agree they're probably not NBA players. You know, they might play overseas, make some money. But, boy... If you watch Baylor and you th- see the joy and the satisfaction and, you know, and that may be for for a lot of those players at Baylor even, we don't know. I love Davion Mitchell. I want to adopt that guy. He's, he's, an, a, M-
0: he's an NBA player.
3: He is an NBA player. But some of those, Martin Mark Vidal. Mark Vidal is not
0: an NBA player.
3: No, because he doesn't shoot, you he's know. Not, well, he's, he's a six-five power
0: forward. Exactly. If your name's not Charles Barkley, you're, not, you're probably not going to make it on that level. But he's so that, a great college basketball player. Yes. But that might be his moment. Thank you. That might be his moment. Adam Flagler, Flagler. That might be his moment. I think. I think Matthew Meyer is an NBA player. Shout out to Westlake. I agree. Uh, Jared Butler is an NBA player. Yep. Mitchell. Um, but yep. Mitchell, of all of the guys on the team, is probably the one with the upside. Yeah. I'm telling you, but a 6'9 but a guy like Matthew Meyer who can shoot, whoa, man, they love those guys. They love those guys. I like I like his upside as well. But, yeah, a guy like Vital or Flagler, uh, even Maceo Teague, uh, he's going to have a shot. Yeah, he'll have a shot. Well, he was tremendous. Teague was tremendous. Oh, my God. It just seemed like when one Baylor guy started missing, another guy got hot. Because to start out, Jared Butler was hot. And then Mitchell got hot. And then Maceo got hot, and all the time you got it, you got Mark Vidal pulling down all the rebounds. They punked Gonzaga. I was
3: shocked. Oh, they, they me too. And I don't know if Gonzaga was feeling the UCLA hangover, or I don't know if they were slow footed. I mentioned that to somebody, and they were no, 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 they weren't slow footed. Slower than Baylor slower than Bader. Baylor. Bader's so quick and exactly. intense in your body you know, on defense that they just punked them. You're right. Jimmy looked timid.
0: Jimmy yeah. a couple of times duck he just said here. Take the ball. He had five know. turnovers. He had 19 points and five Yeah. He had 19 19 assists and only five turnovers in the tournament yeah. up until that game. Yeah. Completely overwhelmed him, and uh, Jalen Suggs played pretty well, but he got his points after the issue had been decided. They got within nine, and I was like, "They, they can't keep this up, not against this defense." Shout out to Chris Beard, eighteen years, said he was going to win a title, he won it. And Duck, we've been around a lot of Big Twelve coaches who just flat out did not did not like, did not. I mean, uh, Scott Drew. Did I say Chris Beard? Yeah. Shout out to Scott Drew. Yeah, um, we've been around a lot of coaches who just flat out did not like Scott Drew, right? And quietly questioned how to right. getting these players? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they so good so soon? Uh, the proof is in the pudding, big guy. He did this. He built it from scratch. He took over. He took over a program that no one was talking about basketball. They were talking about murder. And cover-ups, yeah. And he did it, and he did it. So I, I, you know, I give him the respect. And and uh, Big Twelve basketball has changed now because it's no longer Kansas's personal pay- playground. Baylor's here. He's going to continue to recruit great, and he's going to continue to bring in good guys. And he's one of those coaches who rolls up his sleeves and gets the job done. And I'm just excited, Duck for big 12 basketball moving forward. Baylor's a player. Chris Beard is an Austin. Uh, Bill Self's got a lifetime deal. It's going to be fun. It's going to be
3: fun. Then you got Porter Moser at Oklahoma, you know, fresh Coming off the field. Yeah. Did he you bring
0: know, that nun with him? Did he bring sister Jane with him?
3: I heard an interview and said, yeah, they've already talked and she's moving to Norman. good. Okay. Uh, so that'll be nice. Uh, Huge
0: Catholic population in Norman, I suspect.
3: I'm sure, and a couple Baptists. No, but Baylor's <laughs> not going away. I saw a preseason top twenty five look next year, and Baylor's already ranked fifth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you look at who they're going to lose all those guards, and and Mark Mark Vitals won more games than anybody. But they got they got like Kendall Brown, a five star guy. They got a, a four star guard, a four star forward, uh, and yeah. And he has built that program and he's done it with the transfer portal, which we already talked about. And he's getting it from the mid majors like Presbyterian, like UNC Asheville, like Auburn. Um, not that Auburn's a mid major, but not basketball powerhouses as we know it. And I think Chris Breer is going to follow that same, same model. Uh, I don't know. I, I was so impressed with Baylor. I mean, I really think if they had not had that 21-day COVID pause, they would have gone undefeated. And, uh, I, and even as it is, I think they're one of the best teams of all time. They are. You know, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you rank them with that, you know, 72 UCLA team with Bill Walton and, and who was a Henry Bibby on that team. And remember the undefeated Indiana team in 76 with Scott May and Kent Benson and 92 Duke team. But I really would put them up there because they're just really
0: weakness. I put them up up there because now the games have changed. Sure. The games have changed and it's difficult to compare errors. But if you're talking about, you know, Bill Walton or, or Lou Alcindor would, I mean, would crush yeah. Flo samba. I mean, they they just would. Right. But uh yeah. this is more of a guard, this is a guard era. Uh mm-hmm. this is a perimeter oriented era. Um I put them up there as one of the best teams of the modern era. The game of this European era that we see. Yeah. Um uh, but uh yeah, it's tough to, you know, throw that UCLA teams. I mean, those were dynasties, yeah. Hall of Famers. This is uh, Davion, Davion Mitchell, I fell in love with him in this tournament. Uh, Shaka Smart would all – I bring him. I would bring him up to Shaka and Shaka's eyes would just light up. Mm-hmm. Because they have football players playing guard. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing that Texas just couldn't contend with when they played Baylor. Courtney Ramey and Matt Coleman and Andrew Jones are really good, but they are not physical. Physical no. stout. Because exactly. individuals like 200 pound rock of a human mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. And he would just, he just, he was just a bowling ball. And I just can't wait to see how he translates on the next level. Uh, Cause it's such, such an offensive game now that you kind of lose appreciation for those great two way players. And he's one of those.
3: And I agree with you. The big 12 is, boy, it's on the rise. Bader wins it when dominant fashion the last tournament before that Texas Tech under beard reached the overtime game in the championship for losing to to uh Virginia and we know Kansas is not going away either so it's it's a great time uh for the Big Twelve and it's gonna be fun to see it continue.
0: Duck, before we get out of here, spring football the Sark we talked to Sark, we talked to Roshan Johnson, Josh Thompson over the last few days they're over the COVID uh, shutdown and things are back to normally practicing pads for the first time uh, this week. Um, how excited are you for the upcoming spring football game? And um, are they going to allow us to see it? Are we going to be in the stadium duck? I haven't mm-hmm. even asked you about that because I would be interested to go to that, even though we, we are kind of in a COVID era, but I'm getting I'm getting my second shot in a, in a week or so. So, I would be down to go to that spring game. What do you think?
3: I think nothing bores me more than spring football. I hate it. I hate you know, it. It's just so boring, and, you know, we learn so little from it. I'll never forget when uh, a buddy of ours was on the beat and uh, Fred Akers – toyed with the wishbone one spring and even, Oh, triple options coming back and they were just messing around with it. So you learn so little from that. I mean, usually pretty much all you take is who are some of the best receivers, how are their hands and what do the quarterbacks look like? And, you know, that'd probably be, you know, priority number one for the fans to look at that, but I would just hesitate to put too much into that. And I think, you know, I still worry about them on the offensive line and linebacker now that uh, Joan Mitchell is in the transfer portal again. so uh, Why does Juju keep trying to transfer? I don't know. And I got the impression this may be the final one. I think, you know, because Sark said, we'll talk about the people that are on the roster now and want to be here. So I think – I don't know, maybe his work ethic doesn't agree with Sark. Uh, but, uh, you know, we talked to Josh Thompson. I love the secondary. You know, I kind of always love the Texas secondary just because they've always had so many great athletes there. And, uh, you know, I know they've lost some people. Like, you know, Caden Stearns was, he opted out and he was a senior. And Jalen Green and Xavier Alford and Kenyatta Watson all, you know, have left. But I like this Darian Dunn, the kid from McNeese State you know, all South and Conference, a veteran. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he and Josh Thompson kind of nailed down those cornerback spots. But uh, basically, spring football, you know, wake me when it's over. <laughs>
0: Sorry. You sound so, so very excited. Uh, <laughs> I can't so – con- you're extremely, extremely, extremely excited. Um, let's listen to – I mean, we might as well hear from a player. Let's listen to what Roshan Johnson said about spring football being back.
3: Rashawn, uh, how do you under Coach Sark, do you feel like the running backs will be used differently next year? And will carries almost be equally split up, you feel? Uh, yeah, I feel like Coach Sark will do a good job. I mean, he's a great offensive mind, um, so he'll do a good job utilizing our strengths
0: Uh, putting players in the right spots to make plays and be productive for the team overall. So I feel like he's already done a good job of that uh, so far in spring. And he's just really going to put the the pieces in the right place uh, in his offense.
3: Are you going to be used any differently than before?
0: Um, I wouldn't necessarily say differently. Um, I feel like Coach Stark's offense is a little more spread out, as you saw in Alabama uh, with Najee. He kind of used the running backs in the pass game and in the run game. So... Uh, I feel like that's gonna be utilized in this offense as well. So uh, I wouldn't really say different, but in that aspect, passing run, I think we're gonna be uh, some lethal lethal threats back there. So Duck um he's obviously gonna be the number two running back. Right. He knows that. And he's he's very solid. But he's probably gonna get 10 touches a game, I would think. Yeah, I would think. Um, um I'm 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 interested to know when. When, when, when do you pull the trigger on not giving uh, Bijan Robinson the ball 20, 25 times? Nick Saban had no problem, him and Sark, feeding Najee and guys of that ilk. Um, what do you think Bijan Robinson's ceiling is for totes in a game? And how do you avoid running him into the ground?
3: Well, that's a good question. You know, I think if it's fewer than 20 carries a game, everybody's going to be up in arms again. But he clearly looked like the best running back that Texas has. And that's no shot at Roshan Johnson, who's a very good running back. Converted from quarterback Jonathan Brooks from Hallisville's coming in as a freshman, so you do want to keep them fresh. I, I don't think you give it to them 50 times like Deontay Foreman did once against Kansas, so and they still lost, yeah, they still lost because he had that late fumble, maybe because he had like 52 carries. So, uh, but I think, uh, you know, before Najee Harris was uh, running the show. At Alabama, we can go back to 9 when Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson were, were sharing the ball, and they did quite well. And remember, we all thought, well, Trent Richardson's a lot better player than Mark Ingram. We well, you
0: remember, do you remember what I told you when uh, we were sitting right next to each other in the press box in the championship game? When Mark Ingram got hurt, I go, that's not good for Texas. Exactly. The guy behind him is better. And then Trent Richardson took like a screen pass or something
3: to get to the house. I yeah. mean – but that was almost as good as it got because he didn't have the NFL career Mark Ingram's has That's dad. true. That's true. But you know, he did he did share the ball uh with those two then. So I you know, I don't think I'd be shocked if Bijan's getting the ball twenty eight carries a game. I don't think so. Not, the kids
0: just don't get it that often in this year. No.
3: No, they but don't. I think
0: he'll get twenty touches. I think I think he'll carry it uh seventeen or eighteen times and they'll yeah. dump a couple of passes he, off to him.
3: And I think it's going to be a much more balanced, you know, they Alabama use their, uh, tight end more. What was it got them? Forrest Woodall wasn't he a really good tight end, you know, he probably caught 30 balls last year and he wasn't a household name because you look at the receivers, you know, Devante and Percy and, uh, and Waddle and, uh, they were just overflowing with wideouts. So, but I I think they'll see more tight end at Texas. It'd be more balanced. And, they mentioned, I guess it was Roshan talked about it being more methodical mm-hmm. offense and maybe less up tempo. So I know Alabama just likes to grind you down, and Alabama can play different styles. But one thing about Sark, he's going to play to his strengths. And that's the main thing in spring, figuring out what your strengths are.
0: You sound so excited about spring football, <laughs> Doug. I mean, I'm going to, you know what? Since I see that you love it so much, I'm just gonna I'm gonna cede spring football responsibilities for myself to you because I don't wanna overstep my bounds and write too much spring football but and and then step on your on your illustrious toes. So I'm giving it to you because I love you, Doug
3: overstep big dog overstep all you want i'm into the masters golf and i'm excited because jordan speech is going to win his second green jacket. Oh, he's not he's not (laughs) gonna win it he just won the texas open
0: big john rom from spain gonna win the masters he's a new daddy and he's gonna be a new daddy and new daddy and caddy gonna win the green jacket
3: yeah, I think it's gonna be it's Jordan's. His confidence is back. He knows that course. He, I mean, the first three times he played, he was second, first, second. And then he had another third two years after that. So I think his his mind is right. His putter is right. And uh, I do I think De Bryson uh, Bryson DeChambeau was you know he blew up last year in November. I think he'll do better. So uh, Matt Fitzpatrick is one of my dark horses. And Dylan Fratelli, don't forget, don't forget the South African tied for fifth last year, and Scotty Sheffer, My crazy prediction: be in the top ten this week. So I'm going all in on the Longhorns. Yeah, I
0: tried. I tried that with the NCAA's, and that didn't that didn't work out very well for me. So Ooh. hey, I'm take it easy hey. on the Longhorns. But I did pick Speed in our little pool.
3: Hey, and I finished fourth in our bracket out of the money. I picked Bader over Gonzaga. And I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, people were—they uh, pulled out our uh, podcast with you, me, and Brian Davis, and where Brian was saying, "I don't know, Bader looks shaky to me." <laughs> and I go, "Hey, Bader is just now getting his legs back and hitting their strides." So that was an impressive tournament. I'll just say this: hats off to these athletes and coaches and trainers. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, we lose one game when VCU had to bow out one game out of all those. And my hat's off to the sacrifice these players and coaches and trainers and staff had to endure. So we can enjoy, you know, March Madness once more.
0: It was so good to get it back. Basketball season's over. And so is this podcast. But the good thing is you won't have to wait seven months for another podcast. We'll oh. be back next week. Me nice. and the Duck like that it do it for episode 216 of on second thought big thanks to legendary coach eddie reese for joining us for the duck kirk bowls i'm cedric golden we'll see you next time
1: you've been listening to on second thought powered by com. join set and kirk every thursday at lunch for a new episode archived episodes are available on itunes and google android play